0: Gospel Shaped Home Podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the ends of the street and the ends of the earth. Jarek and Daniel, we are in the midst of a Ask Us Anything series as we are just diving into some questions that you guys have asked related to family discipleship and parenting. And today we are going to talk about... How do you talk about and handle the ordinances with your kids? So we're thinking about just baptism and the Lord's Supper and how we have meaningful conversations and make these ordinances a powerful moment of discipleship in the lives of our kids. Uh, So real quick, guys, do you have any stories that you can think of about just videos you've seen out there? I got a couple that I want to share. This is why I ask you about (laughs) funny stories about baptism that you've experienced. Somebody, maybe you personally baptized a funny story or something about. A Lord's Supper story that was, like, humorous.
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) I'm trying to think of... uh, So, like, I'll let you think about it. There was this viral video. I think this was back in, like, 2017 or 18, according to YouTube. And there's this kid who is going to be baptized by, I'm assuming, a pastor. And the pastor just, like, talked for, like... He talked for a long time about how this kid was so excited to get baptized. And then all of a sudden, the kid... Closes dunks. his nose and just dunks down in the water and pops up and like raises his hands. Yep. And he was like, I did it. I did it. Yeah. And just like baptized himself and like literally walked out of the yep. um, baptismal and the pastor's just like, all right then. Yep. That's good. Uh, can you think of I'm trying to think.
2: Well, I've I've Any definitely.
0: Self-baptism stories, you know.
2: Of? I've definitely seen, there was a video um, out there of a kid doing a cannonball into the baptistry when the pastor was in there talking and it wasn't, like, he wasn't like calm down yet. The kid just flew in from the side and just splashed and it's, that was pretty funny.
0: The only other thing I've seen, maybe y'all seen this. I saw this more recently. You know, we don't hold to infant baptism here at Providence. Um, in case you guys didn't know that, but there was somebody somewhere in the Middle East or Russia, Orthodox uh, pastor person he would he would taking these babies oh to man. baptize them oh, no. he was like doing this like dunk thing in the water and there's this video of him holding this baby and like throwing him down in the water pulling him like i mean he did this like five or six quick times and then hands it back to mom and dad and wow. like it would scar you for life if like I feel like if you saw your baby do that and um, I've
2: seen that. I've also seen the one where the guy drops the baby. Hey. I, I yeah, I've I've seen watched that, that one. head. Yeah. looks like the mom's going to kill him. Yeah. yeah. I watched I'm that one too funny.
0: in preparation for this. And um, <laughs> so <preparation> this <laughs> research. <laughs> yeah. We're working hard. Um, so we talk about these two ideas as ordinances. And so what is an ordinance? It's a Christian rite that is believed to have been ordained by Christ that is held to be a means of divine grace or to be a sign or symbol of a spiritual reality. So that's a lot. And I want you guys to help me unpack that. Really, I'm, I'm thinking about this idea of a means of, we talk about this idea of ordinary means means of grace, this divine grace. Why are baptism and the Lord's Supper such important moments just in the life of the church and of the believer, you know, as an ongoing practice?
2: Well, Jarek, tell us what a
1: means of grace is. What does that even mean? So I would define means of grace and this idea of um, what the Lord has given us to identify with him. And uh, for us to, as a church, we're um, proclaiming the gospel through baptism and Lord's Supper. And so this idea that there's grace that we've been given in just these practices to reflect and be reminded of the grace that's been given, but also to do, to, to give a picture um, of it. So that would be one way that I would... Define it. I think about
2: channels, you know, so I think about means of grace, or uh like you know, you could think about means of transportation. Um a car, a bus, a plane, those are all various means of transportation. And there are various means of grace within the church. So there's the preaching of the word, there's the singing of the gospel, and then there are these ordinances. Community is a means of grace. So there's these different channels that God uses to pour grace into our lives, um, and so these these would be some of them: baptism, the Lord's Supper. Those are channels of grace. Those are two of the ways that God pours His grace
0: into our lives through uh, the church. Yeah, you know, we talk about the gospel all the time, which is a really good thing. And so when we preach the Bible, we're preaching the gospel. And then we sing not just, you know, make us feel good and prepare us for worship, but we want to sing the gospel. And a lot of times we think of these ordinances as ways to display the gospel. Mm -hmm. This gospel is, you know, this good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. And I think this is especially important for, for our kids to think about and to help teach them is that what does it mean? What is this good news? I can't see this. You know, Jesus is not, you know, walking among us any longer. Like, and so baptism and Lord's Supper are ways to visually depict and display and declare, this is what good news looks like. And baptism is a picture of that. And the Lord's Supper is a picture of that. So we're going to think a little bit about just some things thinking about baptism. You know, what does it look like to talk about baptism with your kids? And, you know, one caveat I would mention is, you know, there's going to be people on two sides of this conversation. You have kids who you're longing to be baptized, and then you have other people, you have maybe your kids have already been baptized. And, you know, one of the important things about this idea of ordinary means of grace is that Even for believers who have been baptized and been walking with Jesus for years, baptism is such an important picture and an important part of the church because every time we see baptisms, it's a picture for us to be reminded of what Jesus is doing, that he's still saving people, and that we see that we can identify with other people because we've been there too. And it's just like the Lord's Supper. It's an ongoing reminder of the fact that we've been saved, that we've been brought from death to life and that we've identified with Christ just like these other people are. So even if your kids have already gone through that practice, baptism can still be an important part to remind them like, hey, we're going to see people get baptized. And here's why. This is why we do this as a church family, because it's not just about your own individual faith. We'll talk about that a little bit with this idea of the Lord's Supper. And so we want to just regularly be reminding our kids of why these two ordinances are important means of grace in an, on an ongoing basis, whether you've been baptized or not. A couple quick things I'd say, and then I have some questions for you guys to think about assessing like when, why, how, what baptism is, you know, one of the big things is, you know, we baptize those as, you know, we practice in this idea of believers, baptism, those who have professed faith in Christ. And so we want our kids to believe in Jesus. And one of the number one ways we get our kids, one of the, one things we can do as parents to help our kids believe in Jesus, you know, by God's grace, depending on his spirit is that man, just to share the gospel with your kids every day. Like, you know, these, we talk a lot, like we don't want to have this one-off conversation and say, hey, here's who Jesus is. Like, now do you want to get baptized? We just want to regularly be saying it over and over and over again, both in these planned and unplanned moments of discipleship is sharing the gospel with your kids every day. One other thing that the Lord's kind of convicted me of is just praying for my kids' salvation every day. And one one of the ways I do that is, normally in our family worship time is, you know, with whatever we're talking about that day, in, in, in that Bible story or whatever, you know, scripture memory we're trying to do is then, you know, we pray at the end of that time. And I literally pray that God would save my kids like right there in front of them. And one of the things I'm hoping that my kids start picking up is they hear me pray that. And at some point, Lord willing, it clicks to them that daddy doesn't think that they're just like automatically a Christian and that they're automatically following Jesus. But it's something that they need to make a profession of faith and decide to do and to follow Jesus and me praying for them over and over again, I am, you know, praying my prayer is that those prayers are helping them have more interest and a desire to, to follow this Jesus and to believe in this gospel. And so I want to, I want my urgency to be in what I am declaring to them and doing these things, not the urgency in making them decide something, you know, not press pressuring them into doing something one of the really hard things about this and this is one of my questions for you guys is you know we we can teach our kids all the things about this is who Jesus is this is what the bible says this is what you're supposed to believe this is the prayer you're supposed to pray we can give them all the knowledge and truths that are needed in order to assume that faith is there how is it that you distinguish between knowledge and faith right so saving faith is more than just being able to repeat all the right answers that you know, you've learned in in Sunday school or, you know, you've learned from mommy, mommy and daddy telling you. So how do you distinguish between saying the right answers and having genuine saving faith? Any thoughts? This is a really hard thing as a parent and, yeah. you know, even pastoral ministry, like deciding like.
1: Yeah, I think parents, though, will have the biggest. um uh, kind of uh, look, overlook of the kid's life. Um, and I think that you want to start seeing evidence of fruit in um, your kid's life. So whether it looks like spiritual disciplines, like they have a desire to pray, to read scripture, to sing. Um, is there brokenness over sin? I feel like is a big one for me. So this That's idea good. of conviction, because when you look at Acts two, where you see that they were cut to heart after listening to Peter's sermon, pierced to the heart. So there's this conviction, this brokenness over sin that causes them to respond uh, in the way. So I feel like those are um, a couple of things that I would say, like looking for the evidence of fruit in their lives, because that's that's one of the biggest things. We're fruit inspectors. We don't know the heart, we don't know um, the root, but out out of the overflow uh, we see how the spirit can be moving and there are actually being external actions um, that flow from uh, what is happening internally. Um, and I would also say like making sure, like you said, like there's it, there is this articulation of saying exactly what the gospel is. This is what baptism is. This is what the Lord's supper, but there also should be a joy when you respond in the way that you describe it and, um, just a overall gratitude and thankfulness. I think those are things that you look for as a parent and it's harder for us as pastors if we're not spending as much time, but parents, I feel like we'll get an overview. It's not that they're, uh, you know, they're not going to be perfect. There's still signs of maturity and growth that you'll see in being patient. But at the same time, overall, you see this like becoming more like Christ and this evidence of fruit. Like I said,
2: I, I think that's really helpful. And I think this is really the key, um, of the whole issue, you know, you're trying to decide or trying to discern when is it right for my child to be baptized? Um, you know, and we we talk, I think we talk about this regularly, uh, you know, among us and because we're, we're having these conversations. um, But just the idea that, you know, my, there is a, a confession, right. Or an ascent to knowledge that, I believe these certain things to be true. Um, And and that can be a good test of faith for someone who's coming to Christ as an adult. So if I've got a 25-year-old that I've shared the gospel with and I've said, Jesus is the son of God who took on flesh, lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead three days later, and now he's ascended into heaven. If that 25-year-old looks at me and says, I believe that's true, that's a pretty good indication of saving faith because that's, that's not normal that, to believe that. That takes saving grace. Like that's, God has opened his eyes. He has seen this to be true. Even though it's totally supernatural, he believes it's right. Well, that, that's a lot of evidence, you know? And so if you compare that to my six or seven-year-old, if you would ask my, you know, when they were that age, my five or six, seven-year-old, if they believe those things are true, they would have said yes. And the reason they would have said yes is because their dad and mom have been telling them that that's true their whole life. So all that really means, it, it it's still important for them to know that and believe it. It just means that it's not as good an indicator as it is for the 25-year-old who's hearing the gospel for the first time. Yeah. It's not that it's unimportant. It is important. It's just it's, you're looking for more than that. Okay. That's great that you believe that. It's great that you believe Jesus was the son of God. It's great that you believed he was raised from the dead. So, uh, but what I want to begin to see in my child's life is like Jarek's saying some fruit. And I think it's really important what you said at the end there, that you have to understand that the fruit of salvation in a 10 year old is going to look different than the fruit of salvation in a 30 year old. And so, there's, there's so many different factors in terms of just maturity and age and life experience that you're looking for signs of grace. And it doesn't mean, oh, my kid is, you know, he's done a 180 and he's totally different than any other 10 year old in the whole world. You're, you're just, you're looking for, but you're looking for those signs of grace, the signs of the spirit's movement, which would be, you know, hints of conviction. Um, does it mean my son's going to run to me every time he does something wrong No, but it it means sometimes he will, sometimes he's going to be weighted down by the conviction of the spirit and he's going to come to me and say, dad, I think I really messed up. You know, that, that's, that'd be huge if he did that. And so you don't want to overlook those things. Those are the kind of indicators you're looking for.
0: I've heard two questions to kind of think through about this is what has Christ done for you? That's being very objective. Can you articulate these things? And then the other question, what has Christ done in you? That's kind of more some of these things that you guys are talking about more, more subjective. How is, you know, the good news of the gospel changed the way we live. So both what has Christ done for you and what has Christ done in you? Mm -hmm. Here's a really hard question to think about with this idea. You know, you have multiple kids, you know, the Lord's working in their hearts at different rates, at different stages. So how do you parent and disciple kids who are responding to Jesus at different rates? You know, your 11 year old says, Hey, I want to be baptized. And your 14, 15 year old has no, has just had no interest in those things whatsoever. Like, so how do you have those conversations with different kids at those different times and allow, you know, kids to, you know, follow Jesus at different rates?
2: Well, my answer to that question would, as difficult as it would be, you just have to parent each kid individually and respond to the response of the kid. And you just have to entrust that to the Lord, that um, he will use that in the life of the older child. Or, um, he, 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 yeah, you just entrust it to him. He has plans and purposes. Uh, he's doing things at his own rate in each heart. And so you move with what the Spirit is doing and respond to that and try to shepherd through it. And, and even believing that it, even if it creates some sort of um, tension or heartache in the older child, you just got to trust that the Lord's going to use that. That's, that's another tool in his hand that he can use to raise questions, cause them to examine their own heart and Lord willing, open their eyes to the gospel. That'd be my answer.
1: Yeah. I, I think that ownership of the faith and highlighting that for each individual, I think is key. Um, Cause like there's going to be different stages of like, even like not just spiritually that uh, an older child is going to be able to do this versus the younger child's not. I feel like there's other times in their lives that they'll also see like a withholding from this while the other one can participate in that. And I think it's just helping them to discern and spe- specifically that it is the ownership of their own faith like there is evidence that the parents are looking at and like Daniel said, having a individual conversation with each of them. But I think it's also helping, you know, you're not wanting to pressure or allow this to become a cultural thing where you're just doing it to do it, but you're actually allowing them to discern and articulate themselves of like, Hey, this is why I'm actually doing this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm actually curious what you will say because uh, in thinking about families who do, I feel like for us just having, uh, an infant but seeing the dynamics of having those conversations between each one is, is i think is
0: cool i was just gonna say what you guys said so, <laughs> uh, i think the only thing i think about with this is you know you have to remind yourself as a parent like it is not your job to save your kids like that is something that we are utterly powerless to do like what has god called us to do is to humbly love them and teach them and disciple and share the gospel and point them to Jesus and involve them in the life of the church and, and pray and read like do all these things. And then like I said earlier, you pray that God would save their heart and draw them to faith in Jesus. And I think Dana, like you said, like using, you know, a younger child as a way to hopefully cultivate that desire in an older child. But like yeah. that that's not our job. And I think a lot of times like you want to make that your job. Like and I you know, which is not my job to do that. Like, so I need to be faithful to what God has called me to do as a parent and then trust that he's gonna, you know, do what he's gonna do.
1: So you could take advantage of like, hey, they're asking questions about the younger or older child who's wanting to take this step. Use that as a platform or avenue to start having more intense um, or selected conversations with them. So I like that.
0: Yeah, that's a good transition into as we think about the Lord's supper, you know, I, I think about all these these ordinances. I talked about them being displays of the gospel. So every time we do baptism as a church, every time we do the Lord's supper, which generally is the first Sunday of every month, which we'll talk about why that's important as we think about preparing our kids for the Lord's supper. Every time like you, if you have a younger child like this is using all these opportunities as, Hey, this is a freebie to have a gospel conversation with my kid. We're going to take the Lord's supper this week as a church on Sunday. Like, This is a good chance to talk about the gospel and remind them what it is. Hey, my younger child wants to be baptized and my older child doesn't. Hey, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about the gospel with them. Like, you know, I've thought a lot in some of our conversations we've had recently about unplanned moments of discipleship. And like, I feel like what I've done, like they've been very helpful for me as a parent. So thank you guys. Is I feel like I'm like Jesus juking my kids a lot these days. And I like totally embrace that. And I'm like, Hey, you know, we're eating some bread here. You know, Jesus is the bread of life. And I don't do it that corn, cornily. Is that a word? I'm not that tacky when I do it, but like, it's like, Hey, like what is a way I can use this everyday moment, this opportunity to say, let me remind you about what Christ has done for us and who God is. And I've, I've loved and relished the opportunity that I always do these when Mary's not around. So she doesn't make fun of me. You thirsty? Um, Jesus is the living water. <laughs> <laughs> There's Sprite commercials back in the days. Got, got thirst. Um, so the Lord's supper, the Lord's supper is a symbolic act of obedience whereby we memorialize the death of our Lord and anticipate his coming again. It's pretty good, right? Mm. So we're We're, we're remembering the body that was broken for us. We remember the blood that was shed for us and we want to prepare our kids to think about this. And so again, there's, there's ways to talk about this with your kids who aren't saved yet. You know, I'm in this stage right now with young kids who are sitting there like, what is daddy doing right now doing this? And so like every month when we do the Lord's supper, I'm trying to explain to them like, why is daddy drinking this little juice cup? Like, right. They're probably thinking this is like the most absurd thing in the world. And so that's a chance for me to have a gospel conversation with them right there in the worship service. So what are some ways to just talk to your kids about this, both what is counsel and just thinking about when your child should take the Lord's Supper, when they should hold off? What are things that they should be thinking through or you should be thinking through as a parent to be talking to your kids about?
2: Well, I think, you know, like you just described, um, I would certainly... Well, especially as they're you know, when they're younger, making sure that they when they do start coming to the service, they understand what's going on. You know, so you're explaining what it is, why we do it. Uh it I'm not talking you don't have to um give some long explanation, but yeah. just simple uh explanation each time, helping them understand what it is. Um and even, you know, having regular conversations with them about why they don't do it. Uh, because that that's I feel like um, that was a question that came up pretty quickly with my kids when they started coming to the service with us was, well, why don't I do it? Cause everyone else in the room, it seems, um, it's, it's not, that's not true, but it seems that way for a little kid. I think, uh, everyone in the room, including my family, you know, my mom and dad, they're doing this. So feels like I should be doing it too, which I think, um, you know, it, it, like you, like Scott, you're talking about it, it, it is an uh, obvious opportunity to To share the gospel and to make a helpful differentiation between you and your kids that I have made a public profession of faith. I have put my trust completely in Jesus and you will do this when you do the same. And so I, I think we can we can sometimes be afraid to distinguish, you know, uh, ourselves and our kids like that. Like we're in the faith, you're not yet in the faith in that sort of way. But that that's a helpful thing that i think yeah. you know in, in my own testimony um it was not being able to take communion in the service that sort of opened my eyes to the idea that i needed to make some sort of decision to follow christ so that that was that was something that the lord used to help me realize hey i'm not a christian just because i come to church with my parents mm. um and so i think that's an important evangelistic opportunity uh for us as families to one be, be you have to be firm that you don't take this um, until you have made a profession of faith, and I would say until uh, you've been baptized, um, which I know I just threw a wrench into the machinery by saying that, but um, but um, but yeah, so, so and, and, and explaining why 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 is that? I think that's important.
0: We're, we're saying when you say that a couple of things, that I think of one. This is why your kids should be in worship with you. You know, we say by the time you're in elementary school and kindergarten, it's important because most of our baptisms happen on our Sunday services in the worship, Mm -hmm. our Lord's Supper happens in the Sunday. There's so many, these ideas, means of grace happen by being a part of corporate worship because it's such a huge part Mm -hmm. of what we do. We absolutely want kids to be part of small groups and community and classes as part of kids ministry and student ministry. But if you're using those in place of that, then they're missing these opportunities for those things. And we talk about with baptism, you know, you mentioned that baptism first and then the Lord's Supper, the idea is baptism is the declaration that, Hey, I'm following Jesus. And the Lord's Supper is this ongoing reminder of, Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then the, the big idea there that a lot of times we miss in our society being so, so individualistic is that this is a communal thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool when you gather as a church and you look around, whether it's in worship or with the Lord's Supper and saying, Hey, these are a bunch of other people I may not know every single one of them in depth, and I couldn't, couldn't say everybody's name at a you know church like Providence. But these are people who are covenanting together and saying, "Hey, I identify with Jesus, with His broken body, with His shed blood." Mm-hmm. And that's one of the encouragements of the yep. body of Christ is that we're not doing this alone, we're not walking through life alone, we're not following Jesus alone, and the Lord's Supper is a is a means to help remind us of those things.
1: I would just add just the um, just for like helping and teaching uh, about you know, the substitution of Jesus on the cross and, uh, thinking of his body being broken and bloodshed. I think what we talked about in previous episodes, but like books like Narnia or movies that you see the hero substitute on, I feel like those were times to understand what that substitution and sacrifice was actually gave imagery. Like when you read the Passover in Exodus, when you think of, uh, the blood being poured over the doorposts and, uh, uh, the death angel passing over, like it, those are imagery that is given even in scripture to connect for us, like old covenant, new covenant to have a a better, deeper understanding um, of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And so I think like helping kids like see, because we're so Scott, you talked about stories and how they just enthrall our hearts, inspire us and give us imagery to like these truths. I think helping kids to see that middle schooler and teenagers as well, um, I think is really big in the discipleship efforts um, to help them really understand what Lord's Supper and baptism is.
0: If you'd love to know more about either of these ideas, a couple of resources I'd point you to real quick for baptism, a couple of books out there that are all really short. Your child's professional faith, the faith of a child. And then there's another little, I mean, it's almost like a pamphlet established in the faith, a discipleship guide to discerning and affirming a young person's faith you'd love to learn more about Lord's Supper and how to talk about it, we have a blog post on our website, pray.org slash blog, kids in big church, caution and coaching for kids in communion that kind of just gives some big picture theology and then practical ways to talk about these things with your kids. So it points you guys to those resources. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next week as we continue to dive into some of your questions on ask us anything. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast produced by Providence Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.